Welcome to the One Bite Vegan Food for Thought Summit, a series of 15 podcasts that present different aspects of a vegan lifestyle from some of the most prominent thought leaders in veganism. Perhaps you want to learn how to be a better advocate for animals. Maybe you want to feel confident about raising your family on a plant-based diet. Proudly sponsored by VegFund, the One Bite Vegan Food for Thought Summit's for you. Hello and welcome to the One Bite Vegan Food for Thought Summit. I'm your host, Emma Leticia. And in this episode, we're talking to Juliet Galatly, founder of the vegan campaigning charity Viva. Juliet founded Viva back in 1994 and they campaigned tirelessly to end the abuse of animals exploited and killed for food. The Viva team also supports people in moving towards a vegan diet with lots of positive information and tips on how to change and feel energetic and healthy. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about right now. Juliet, thanks for joining us. No, it's a pleasure. <laughs> First of all, what does it mean to be vegan? The definition that Viva uses is vegans don't eat, wear or use anything from animals, whether they're from the land, so you're looking at meat, dairy, eggs, honey, shellac, leather, fur, or from the water, fish, prawns, crabs, lobsters, and so on and so on. And I think the other thing is that's really important is vegans also exclude, as far as is practicable, all forms of animal exploitation and cruelty. So that includes things like horse riding, does it? Or what's animal exploitation? Yeah, it's a different way of seeing the world. It's seeing animals as beings that are here that we respect, that we respect life, that aren't put on the planet for us to use and abuse, as the human race does, just for greed and not out of any kind of need. And so it's literally shifting the way that we view our place on the planet as protectors and using our intelligence for good rather than using it for hurt and for abuse because it's that kind of attitude that we believe has got us in such a mess. We've got the IPCC saying we've got 11 years left to stop positive feedback of global warming and so on and so forth. And these issues are really urgent. And it's all down to this very human-centric view of the world that everything has to revolve around us. And what we're saying, that's wrong. We're just part of this web of life. So we need to respect it. Otherwise, every little bit of the thread is going to come apart and we're going to destroy everything that is so beautiful and so precious. Mm, yeah, exactly. So you touched a little bit about having respect for animals, and that's certainly one of the reasons why people choose to be vegan. What are some of the other reasons that veganism was a good choice? Well, there's been lots of surveys done recently, including one by Viva. We did one recently. We got replies from 3,000 people, so it's quite sizable. And also one of the supermarkets have just done one, not just for their own supermarket, but shoppers across all of them. And there are some very telling things in there, but it's still in the UK, but also mainly other countries like the USA, Australia, etc. The main driving force for people becoming vegan is still animals. So it's a care about animal welfare, animal rights, and what I've just talked about, our place in the world, that we should be respecting animals, not hurting them. Then comes into play next is health. So people don't respect authority the way that they used to. You might think, what's she talking about? Well, what I mean is conventionally sort of GPs who are just, you know, there to dole out the pills kind of thing, are giving very little advice on nutrition. And people are getting very dissatisfied with this. As in the UK, the National Health Service is, you know, on its knees. It's kind of crippled by debts and so on. 
And so people are looking to treat themselves. And when they do that and start researching it, they start looking at themselves they start looking at their lifestyle. And one of the core things, of course, for your lifestyle is what you eat every day. And if you restart researching that, you realize very quickly that animal products play into diseases. In other words, they're a causation of the big killers like heart disease, like strokes, diabetes, type 2, obesity, and so on and so forth. And so people start to look at veganism and they come to organizations like Viva for help to improve their own health. So that's a major player now in people going vegan. And what's starting to catch up, I noticed the figures are starting to close in because it used to be people going vegan for the environment, for the planet was quite low in terms of numbers. But that is, as I say, catching up with the health and the animals. And I think that's for all the reasons you'd expect, which is the issues themselves are becoming much more well-known. And of course, they're becoming much more urgent. And so now we have major players like intergovernmental panels and their scientists saying, actually, the world needs to drastically reduce its animal consumption. And some of them will even use the word vegan, but whatever, they're all agreeing that we drastically need to, you know, as, as the human race on the planet need to drastically reduce our consumption of meat, fish, dairy. So things are changing on all fronts. All those three reasons are the big, big drivers for veganism. The other thing I should say, Emma, is that actually most people for all the reasons come into play and pretty much every vegan you speak to will recognize this. So you might change for animals, you know, that's your light bulb moment if you like, or it might be because you have health issues yourself. But once you do that, you start to sort of look into all the other issues. So all the issues become important for you and they all become important in terms of keeping you vegan. Yeah. And that's something that we're definitely going to speak about, about going vegan and staying vegan a little bit further on in the podcast. We often Mm. hear people say it's difficult to go vegan. What are your thoughts on this? I don't agree with it, actually. I can see, you know, when I changed, which is a very long time ago, there was very little vegetarian option, let alone vegan. And so I understand people saying that because you had to search around a bit and educate yourself. Today, certainly in countries, I'm in the wonderful position of being in the UK where we're, you know, spearheaded such change. And now it's very difficult for me to see why people would say it is hard because you go to any high street chain restaurant, for example, and pretty much every single one now has not just a vegan option, but a vegan menu. So last Saturday I was in an Italian chain and, you know, they had a whole separate menu with separate desserts which had things like chocolate sauce on them so you're not just given the you know the token sorbet anymore <laughs> and, and the main meals were actually delicious and there was proper choice and it's the same wherever you look we're just saying you know today in the UK we've had a Mexican restaurant launch a whole separate vegan menu which is very imaginative indeed with many 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 options and again in the supermarkets if you go on and say for example just put vegan in your supermarket of choice in the search bar and it just put vegan main meal, something as vague as that, you will get literally not just the 10 choices from, you know, five years ago. You're actually looking at over 100 choices these days. It is just grown so phenomenally quickly. So I would just encourage people, go on a program, like depending on what country you're listening from, but in the UK with Viva, the 30-day vegan program, So you've got all free advice in terms of what to eat for breakfast, lunch and evening meal with loads of tips and recipes. Go on our recipe club, like say vegan recipe club, 
vegan.org.uk because there are many hundreds of vegan recipes on there and they're all laid out in terms of nationality, so there's Italian, Chinese, and Thai, and so on. But also in terms of things like speed, you know, you can search for recipes that take less than 30 minutes or whatever. There's just so much information out there to help you change now. Just a little bit of adjustment because we're very habitual creatures. Mm. And if you don't, but you know, I think a lot of people, when they leave home, this has been studied, and most people don't have more than five main meals that they can make without looking in a recipe book. And that's quite limited when you think about it. You know, it happens to everybody. You get stuck in a rut of what you tend to fall back on all the time. So it takes that little bit of shift. So, I mean, a lot of our supporters do, they look at the Vegan Recipe Club and they will literally change like for like. So just a really obvious example, if you eat meat spaghetti bolognese, they make the vegan spaghetti bolognese version. So they feel very comfortable and familiar with that. And it's very quick and easy to change and then what we encourage them to do is okay start expanding your horizons a little bit now you don't have to become this mega cook but just use a little bit more imagination look through the recipe club and just try and add in we challenge people just add in one recipe a month or even one recipe every two months so that at the end of the year you've got six to twelve more recipes in your main repertoire than you had before and obviously, some people go much further than that. But what I find with it is if, if you're open-minded and you're enjoying veganism, you tend to eat better than you've ever eaten in your life because you tend to be eating a lot more food, a lot wider variety, because people get so stuck in a rut with such a limited amount of ingredients that they use, and they just keep going back to the same old. So it widens your horizons and your views on food. Yeah. No, that's definitely been my family's experience with going vegan as well. You know, we've never eaten such a great variety of foods. And we think back to what we used to eat prior to being vegan. And it was so boring. It was the same meals, as you say, time and time again. So it's good to know that there are all these vegan options out there for people. And the blogosphere has gone crazy with vegan bloggers, that's for sure. But we Mm. often hear in the media about people that have gone vegan, celebrities or just normal people and they've had to go back to eating animal products because they've become, you know, I'm doing this in inverted commas, nutrient deficient. How can we obtain good health and nutrition on a vegan diet? It's actually remarkably simple. I give lots of public talks and every time I do it, I even think to myself, God, it's so simple. And yet we've moved so far away from just the basic good whole food diet that doing it somehow seems alien. And it's just crazy. We're just bought in to this processed food era that the food manufacturers spew out, you know, excuse me, but crap foods that are overpriced. And we somehow think that if we move a bit away from that, that it's difficult when in fact, all it is to have a good diet, no matter what your diet is now, to have a good diet, you're looking at for a woman, this comes from the World Health Organization, by the way, so different countries give different levels of fruit and veg you should eat a day. So for example, in the UK, it's five. If you go to Canada, the figures are much higher than that. And the reason we set it so low in the UK is because the average number of fruit and veg we eat here still is only three. So they thought Mm. if they set it any higher, you know, people are just going to fail and the targets are too high. But actually, the World Health Organization say women should be eating around eight fruit and veg a day and men around 10. 
So immediately you're looking at what I do. I've accepted that I was trying to shop on just once a week just for convenience. You know what it's like. We're all busy, kids, work, everything that you're trying to do. And I've accepted now that that doesn't work. So I do my fruit and veg shopping twice a week. I know some people are better than me, but that's what I do. So I do one online and one I'll top up the fruit and veg in person because it's really important because the fruit and the veg are the group that provide the majority of all those minerals and vitamins that we need that actually fight for our health. So they're like the boxing gloves in your body, you know, wham, wham, banging out things like the cancer seeds and so on and so forth. So it's, they're the things that protect your arteries and your veins and all these things to protect us against the chronic diseases which kill so many people too young today. So it's really important we do that. So really easy ways of doing that. I mean, with my kids, I just, because they love them so much, I will make them smoothies. It's a really obvious way. And it's just habit, again, that we were talking about before. It's just and literally. Especially when I come, kids, you, you know, can hide lots of fruit and veggies and smoothies, can't you, for picky eaters? Absolutely. And what I used to do when my kids were younger was make a lot of fruit salads, which, again, it sounds really obvious, but it's just making yourself do it. So when you're cutting the fruit up really small and giving them a lot of variety and adding in the raspberries and strawberries, but, again, chopping the strawberries up, Somehow they will absolutely devour a fruit salad. But if you give them an apple and say, eat an apple, you know, the chances are they might not, you know. So, yeah, and with smoothies, yeah, I just, it's so easy for you, aren't they? The preparer, just bringing in whatever it is, adding in, you know, and I buy frozen fruits now. So I buy big bags of frozen berries, mixed berries. I buy frozen mango now as well. I'm putting those in. I'll buy fresh pineapple already chopped. So I put that in. And oh, my God, they go mad for this. So there are ways of getting this stuff down them and yourself for that matter. So you need that. You need your fruit and veg. That's supposed to be a daily thing. So that means when you're cooking, instead of just adding, I mean, really simple things when you're giving an onion base and a garlic base to something like we were talking about before, spaghetti bolognese or your chili non carnes, those kind of foods which are very easy to make. Your curries, loads of people love curries. Italian food, instead of just adding one or two veg, just widen your horizons and just chop up veg. And again, if you've got kids, you can. it's a good way of hiding veg. And soups is an excellent way of getting loads of veg, which is very simple. So 10 minutes to make a good soup. So that, then you need around three different whole grains a day. Now the whole grains, I can't emphasize enough because there's loads of research done on this. If as a family you're eating lots of white breads, white rice, white pastas, then they are linked to diabetes type 2 because we convert that white pasta or whatever it is very quickly into the sugar and you get these peaks and troughs of insulin and it's not very good for us. Whereas by contrast, they're exactly the same foods but not messed with. Instead, they've still got their fiber and their B vitamins and everything. It's the whole grain version, so it's the brown rice the brown bread, the whole grain pasta. So it's just a little bit adjustment on your taste. And I say with kids, if they're used to white bread, go over to the 50-50 versions first and don't tell them, just do it. And then nudge your way towards going completely whole grain. But it is important because there's a massive difference. So the whole grain group, which we need about three portions of a day, that's the group that gives you energy. So your brain, for example, that's what it prefers. It wants complex carbohydrates and it wants the glucose that you slowly release from the whole grains because your brain uses about 40% even on a calm day of those that you're consuming. So for good mental health, for good bodily health, 
you need to be eating those whole grains, not the white versions. So that's good. And then you need, on top of that, you need your pulses group. So that's, again, around two pulses for women, around three, even four portions for men. So by pulses, a lot of people don't know what pulses means, actually. So what I mean by that is any peas, beans, or lentils, any that you enjoy. And it's fine to buy the tins as long as it's not got the added sugar and salt. Absolutely fine. You don't have to soak it all night. And they're very cheap. And so, again, this is a little bit of imagination because some countries like Turkey and India use them all the time as a matter of course. A lot of other nations, as in Britain, we're pretty hopeless at it. So it's eating things like hummus, which, of course, are chickpeas and seed-based. But it's like, again, when you make the curry, add the chickpeas in or the butter beans or whatever it is you enjoy. When you make a soup, like tomato soup, add half a tin of lentils in or whatever bean you enjoy. And it's, again, it's just habit. And it takes you a few seconds and very little extra cost. And the nutrient value of whatever it is you're cooking goes through the roof. So those pulses, remember, are the start of the life of the plant. So they've got loads of minerals. They've got loads of vitamins. They've also got fiber. So they're full of the also the nutrients that the good bacteria in your guts need to live off. And we need the good bacteria because they boing out the bad bacteria. They also feed our immune system. If you're not eating many pulses, then it's really important you eat nuts and seeds. So the unsalted mixed nuts and seeds, no more than the palm of your hand, what fits into the palm of your hand a day. because obviously they're very calorific. But we know for absolute certain that if you eat a small portion of mixed unsalted nuts a day, it reduces your heart disease, it strengthens your blood vessels, it reduces diabetes type 2. So it's again linked to reduction of chronic disease. So again, the nuts and the seeds are the start of the plant's life. So they're full of all the things really that the pulses are. So that's the other group. And then you must have the good fat. So we're talking about the essential fatty acids, which is omega-3 and 6. So as a vegan, it's the really easy way to get that is through linseed or flaxseed. It's the same product, different name. So flaxseed you buy usually in a health shop or a supermarket. They usually come in foil tin packaging. It lasts for absolutely months. And you keep it in a cool cupboard and you just sprinkle it on breakfast cereal or soups when you finish cooking or on salad. It's got they a very slight nutty taste. They great egg replacer, don't they, in baking flax. You can make a flax egg. Absolutely, you're right. And on the Viva website, we've actually got a chart, which is the egg replacers for anyone that's interested. And it goes through all the, the different vegan egg replacers. And flaxseed is one of them, which suit different products that you're making. So, and that's on the Viva shop if you actually want to buy it as a laminated chart. It's very cheap indeed, because for us, it's about getting info out. But yes, you're right, if you can do that. You can use it to make salad dressing, of course. You can buy flaxseed oil, but never, never cook with it because you destroy all the omega-3 content. So just use it as um, a salad dressing. So that's just habit. And again, when my sons were young, when I'd finished cooking, so you're not cooking with it, but when I'd finished cooking, I would add a teaspoon or so of flaxseed oil in whatever it was and just mix it in so they couldn't taste it. Again, that's just habit on my part. So that's for growing kids. You get good fats in products like the nuts and the seeds we just talked about. You get them in the hummus products. You get them in the avocado. So they're loaded with lots of good fats too. But you only need a small amount every day. So, you know, you're talking about a tablespoon of flaxseed for an adult is great. There are other things like hemp seed oil is very good for your omega-3 and antics. And walnuts are very good, you know. And if you like walnut oil, you can use that cold-pressed, again, for your salad dressings. So it's very easy to get. And then what we should all have 
not just vegans, by the way, but meat eaters, everybody is B12. So I recommend, I'm not one for recommending supplements. We don't need them largely, but for B12, if you're not having a plant milk like soya milk that's got B12 fortified with it, then do take it as a supplement because you need it for your blood, you need it for your nervous system, you need it for, for making adrenaline. So do get B12 as a supplement. Again, it's very cheap. So we need that. And we also need, not so much for perhaps you're living in France, but in the UK, we need to take vitamin D for six months of the year because we just don't get the sunlight. So that's nothing to do with veganism. It's just lack of sun, but it is important. And that is it. I mean, you know, that is the basis of a good diet. And when you say it like that, you just say, actually, it's just about eating healthy food. It's just that society's just pulled so far from doing that. We've got so used to giving kids burger and chips for their lunch. And, you know, where's the nutrient? Usually on a white bun with absolutely no fiber, nothing, you know? What, you know, where's the nutrient value in what we're giving them? And the number one food, I don't know for some other countries, but I know that, for example, in the USA, in the UK, the number one food now for kids is pizza. And you might think that's better than a burger, but actually the type of pizzas they're being given are just white base with no fiber and very little vitamin mineral content. The only good bit is the tomato paste on it. And then it's loaded with cheese, which is saturated bad fats. And so we're setting our kids up, you know, for heart disease and also the connections with cancers. So it's about, I don't know, taking a step back and just thinking, actually, it's not hard. It's just breaking habits and <laughs> setting yeah, up new ones. Exactly. And it's shocking, isn't it, that we're seeing these days adult diseases in little children. I mean, and that's a global kind of phenomenon now, which is really sad. So what are some of the challenges that people might face when they first go vegan and how can they deal with them and overcome them? Well, again, it depends which country you live in, of course, because I would have said in the UK once upon a time, obviously, you know, re-educating yourself on the foods itself, but it's genuinely become so easy that the supermarkets here are competing over who provides the most. Literally, I was laughing the start of this year, two of the supermarkets were arguing over who had the most vegan food. I mean, it has changed beyond all recognition just in the last two years here. So actually, when people were surveyed, there was a big survey done, it was a few years ago now, but it was the biggest of its type was in 2014. And it looked at why people stopped becoming vegan. And in fact, the biggest reason wasn't the food itself. It was pressure from loved ones. Mm. And so most of the people who stopped becoming vegan had a partner who was not vegan and wasn't supporting them. And they just slipped back into old ways is a simple way of putting it and we all recognize that for all sorts of things in our life and if your partner isn't there with you it can be very very easy to just slip back can't it because when they they're not encouraging you they're kind of maybe even a bit frustrated by you not doing what they're doing it might be that they even have a bit of a guilt thing going on because you know you're doing something that they know in their heart is better for animals and better for the planet and better for the health, you know, and some people don't want reminding of that. You know? So yeah. that was the major driver for people going back, actually. It wasn't the food, it was the people around them. So I think the challenge is sometimes for some people is isolation. Mm. So I would encourage, I mean, that's changing, obviously, really rapidly. So as you know, there are festivals, for example, all over the world now. In the UK, we set them up 15 years ago, the very first ones on our 10th anniversary. We're 25 years old this year. 
And now they've mushroomed so that they're in every, even the smallest towns do their own vegan festivals. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because I've had so many people come up to me, like in some cities where there'd be one festival a year, when we set them up, there's now six festivals plus a vegan market every month, some of them weekly. And people come up to me and say, these festivals absolutely sort of saved it for me because I was surrounded by people that believe the same thing, an amazing atmosphere, buying loads of vegan food. And it just bolsters you being surrounded by people that believe the same thing that you do. And you can go to the talks and obviously re-educate yourself and be really clear that you're doing the absolutely the right thing. Watch films, I'd say, rather than just watch them all at the beginning, you know, the films like Earthlings and Cowspiracy that everybody mentions, try and go beyond that and what there's so many more films on that now that come out and do keep up to date because that re-inspires you all over again and re-motivates you. And try and join local groups. So grassroots activism, even on a social level, whatever it is you want to do is springing up now all over the world in the way that didn't exist really just a few years ago. So I'd encourage people, don't be scared of going along. I just went to a local march in Cardiff recently in Bristol just before that. And you get people literally from every walk of life and every age. The youngest speaker was 14, the oldest was 81 and everything in between. And people are so supportive of each other that I'd just say, don't have stereotypes in your own mind about what these groups are going to be like because they're not like it because literally everyone is from every walk of life. So I'd encourage people to come a bit more social and do meetups. It's very, very, again, inspiring, motivating, and it kind of reminds you why you've gone vegan in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And it's really helpful in being part of the vegan community and overcoming those fears that sometimes come at you from doctors or we're both mothers and I'm sure you've had, oh, you're raising your baby vegan. Are you sure that's safe? You know, those little things niggling in the back of your head. If you've got your why sorted out and you're currently up to date with all the new research that's coming out, it makes it so much easier to kind of overcome those kind of questions that people throw at you. Absolutely. And I'll just quickly say the other thing is genuinely, I mean, Viva is here to help people. So if anyone wants to email or Facebook message, obviously, you know, or any social media, but if you want to email, it's just info at Viva, V-I-V-A dot org dot UK. Any question somebody has, like you just said, reassurance, for example, for mothers is quite a common one for obvious reasons, because people obviously, you know, you have a baby, you're suddenly responsible for somebody else and you're totally responsible. <laughs> so we can either directly give people the information that they require and the reassurance or show them where that is, or indeed put them in touch with other people. So please do use us as a resource because we are here for that. Okay. And we're almost out of time now. So I've just kind of, we've talked about Viva being a great support, but your website is fantastic and it talks about all the latest campaigns that you're working on. But what other resources are there for people? I think you mentioned some recipe guides as well. What can people find at the Viva website to help them on their journey? Okay. So the Viva website, it covers everything to do with veganism. So broadsheet is we have viva animals so that's anything you want to know about how animals are treated how they're kept how they're killed but also sort of facts about the actual animals themselves so for example on the chicken site viva.org.uk forward slash cracked you'll find like information on the intelligence of chickens so it's, it's blowing out the myths you know that people have got about animals as well it's got viva.org.uk forward slash planet 
So there's a report, for example, which is very readable called Envirocidal. So if you want a summary of how what we eat is damaging our planet, it's all there so that you can talk to other people and educate other people and as well as yourself. Then, of course, there's the whole health issues, which are huge. So there's a whole website just on that, which is vivahealth.org.uk. So that's everything to do with health and nutrition. And the things I particularly like on there are the A to Z. So there's the A to Z of nutrients. So you could look any nutrient you can think of. We were just talking about B12. Well, you can look that up. How much do I need each day? Why do we need it? You know, for iron, anything. There's the A to Z of foods. So you can look up individual foods and see what how they benefit us. And there's the A to Z of diseases as well. So if you know somebody who's at risk of disease or got it, you can get the lowdown on that. So it's a really helpful website. Then we have veganrecipeclub.org.uk, which has got many hundreds of recipes on it. And also, which I really like about that, you can put in an ingredient like carrot and it will come up with all the carrot recipes. So that's fab. We have My Vegan Town, which is what all the events that are going on, but also where to eat. It tends to be more UK based. There are festivals on there. So it's looking at, you know, what's going on. And then there are the campaigns themselves. And the other one, if I can just mention, I know there's a lot to mention, but is the dairy website because that is very popular, which is scarydairy.org.uk. So that has not just all the dairy-free products on and how to use them, but it has how cows and goats are treated for milk, all the campaigns around that, but also all the health issues, which there are many relating to health, as you can imagine. So there's a whole White Lies report on there and so on and so forth. There's a lot going on. <laughs> Fantastic. Julia, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and thank you so much for being with us and for all the incredibly important work you and your team do. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Lovely to talk to you. If you'd like to learn more about Viva and check out their resources for making your vegan journey easier and healthier, make sure you click on the link for Juliet's bio in today's email where you'll find details of all the Viva websites and social media channels. Thank you for listening and being part of the One Bite Vegan Summit. Remember, one bite is all it takes to make a change. Thank you for listening and being part of the One Bite Vegan Summit. Be sure to keep up to date with the latest One Bite Vegan online events and free resources, including the One Bite Vegan blog and digital magazine by connecting with us via our website, onebitevegan.com. Remember, one bite is all it takes to make a change.